Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439-6028. 439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck at service, and bobcat service. Since 2006, they've been performing tree removal service on top of that. Nothing stumps. Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439 6028 439 6028 if they have to they get right up there in the bucket yankee tree service since 2006 tree trimming experts give them a call 439 6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com you're listening to the john DePietro show folks it's weekdays we start right now at 11 we go until 2 it's am 1380 99.9 fm can always listen online at our website, petro.com. It's Tuesday. It would seem to be another, a little bit of another cloudy day, but I don't think that's a, a bad day. We definitely needed the rain, even with some of the rain that we received uh, yesterday. It's still very short of uh, of where we, you know, where we need to be and where everybody needs to be. So, folks, early voting starts tomorrow. And what I mean by that is the primary is coming up September 13th. Uh, Governor McKee's out with another new commercial today. And by all accounts, his commercials, uh, whoever's doing them for him, they have connected. Uh, they are short. They have meaning. They are well put together, whether it be the uh, video, the commercial with his mom. And now he's got a new one out. Um, it is remarkable to watch that Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee may end up winning this primary um, simply because he has gone all out with the laborers and giving out, who knows. Uh, again, there's a major IOUs connected to this, but I think he just feels that, you know, nothing's going to happen if, in fact, he, if he doesn't get elected. So, but he's got a new commercial out, and I want to play it. Um, I, you know, when I say about the early voting, remember the primary is September, Tuesday, September 13th, but starting tomorrow with all those drop boxes, people can start to put the everyone that got all the mail ballot applications, they can start to uh, fill them out. So, I want to play this is, uh, I believe it should be, this is the new. Uh, Governor Dan McKee commercial. Before I was governor, I ran a small business. Tough times put us on the brink. And then we get this. Gas prices, groceries, every cost is up. We can't solve it all, but we can help. As your governor, we're ending the car tax. Finally. We're helping families with $250 checks per child. We're lifting up our small businesses. And we're making housing more affordable. We're investing in the people who make us strong. As long as I'm governor... We always will. So again, uh, the the someone who is really has not been able to really get any type of ground or move any strength or momentum is Helena Folks. Now, as I have said, this is it's an unusual election for several different reasons. Uh, I still wouldn't count out Nellie Gorbea because she's got the voting list, but I don't know how much she's done outside of just planning on having huge mail ballots dropped off in her favor so she is seeking outside money so it's possible that she expected more money to come in on her behalf she has run a very low-key campaign and i believe it's because they are just totally focusing on the mail ballots the person 
Helena Folks is the one that just has been unable to, as Justin Katz and I described, unable to come up with any script that says that she is any different than anyone else that's in the race. And, um, and, and, and the clock is really ticking now. If anything, she may have run out of time. And what I mean by that is, you know, the, the tele, <clears throat> television debate, I believe it's going to be the Tuesday before the primary. And I, I think by that time, so many votes will have been cast that e- even if, um, you know, that I don't understand, none of them, they um, all decided so far, there's no negative ads on Governor McKee, which is really surprising. Someone who's sitting under an FBI probe. Um, there's a lot of things to go after him on. And so far, they have not laid a glove on him. They have not touched him in any way. So as far as that, I don't understand that because especially for Helena folks, I think I think Justin Katz also said or we we heard it in the the um round table with with uh channel 12 where the the fear is okay so we knock him down and then suddenly that benefits nelly gorbea but i don't i i don't understand the strategy that he is still just flying high and he he sees the finish line in sight uh whatever's going on with him they claim he has covid but he's got a couple days off the campaign trail can take it easy sent the First Lady out, Sue McKee and his children to campaign for him. He's got the commercials now, just bombarding the airwaves till now, till primary day. They feel like they're in a good situation. Now, the latest on President Trump. New York Times, one, more than 300 classified documents were found at Mar-a-Lago. Those documents among the most highly classified <laughs> secrets in the U.S. government, some of them. And we are learning more about the scope and magnitude of how many Donald Trump took home with him. The FBI has been concerned about how they've been handled and about how truthful Trump has been about what he's got. This morning, the New York Times is reporting that more than 300 classified documents have been retrieved from Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, including documents from the CIA, National Security Agency, and FBI on a variety of topics of national security interests. Concern over those 300 documents triggered the criminal investigation still in its early stages, probing whether Trump and his aides may have mishandled material, refused to turn it over, or even lied about it. And Democrats are asking questions about how those documents were stored at Mar-a-Lago. 300 pages, you know, just, uh, you know, a basement uh, stairway away uh, in an open, you know, beach house is not where you would want that information. Since last year, the National Archives has been seeking documents Trump took when he departed the White House. Under U.S. law, they remain government property. The Times is reporting that Trump himself went through those boxes in late 2021 and resisted calls to turn over what was at Mar-a-Lago, telling advisors they're mine, but they're not his. Initially, Trump turned over 15 boxes in January, but the FBI believed he had more, issuing a subpoena for them in May. Even after a June meeting where a Trump lawyer said in a statement that all documents were turned over, the FBI still believed Trump had more, prompting the search warrant this month and the recovery of 26 more boxes. Republicans are demanding the Justice Department's justification for the search. We're going to turn to the former president and Mar-Largo. They want to make certain that this is to the highest level. There's an imminent national security threat. In federal court on Monday, Trump filed to halt the Justice Department's review of the material seized in the search, requesting a special master. That's an outside individual appointed by the court to do so instead. Trump also demanded that the documents be returned, claiming executive privilege. But as a former president, Trump's claim of privilege is thin. The documents belong to the National Archives. Previous presidents have taken home material that subsequently was retrieved by the government after negotiations. In this case, negotiations have been going on for months. They had not reached any satisfactory conclusion. And because of those classified materials, uh, the FBI decided that they had to move. Michael? Uh, Terry, uh, what about the deadline the DOJ is facing to propose redaction to the affidavit behind a Mar-a-Lago search? 
That comes on Thursday, Michael. The Department of Justice will propose redactions. They'll black out what they think should be kept sealed, kept secret from the public in that affidavit that was used to justify the Mar-a-Lago search. The judge in this case ha has said that he'll look at that. He's inclined to try to find something that the public can hear about. But he also says this case may be so sensitive, the investigation at such an early stage, that there may be no meaningful disclosure at the end of the day at all. Michael, seems like it's far from over. Thank you so much. I, um, folks, I, I want to repeat. Um, I, I don't understand why President Trump felt he needed the documents. Number two, I don't understand why this back and forth where they're saying we don't have any more, and then they find three hundred and how many boxes were filled. Um, I, I, if if you feel, if you feel okay, I'm in the right. These are mine then I, I don't understand why Christina Bob, that attorney, would tell them we've handed everything over. We don't have any more. They conduct the raid. They go in. They find even more. They shouldn't have found anything if that's the communication. I don't understand, again, as I've said, I don't fully understand what's behind this. I don't understand what documents they would have, uh, what it would be the purpose of it. If there, there's somehow in dispute something that is memorable, something that is valuable, um, I don't understand why that wouldn't be worked out in, in, in some fashion. Where you, where, but I'll say this. If your people, in this case that attorney, Christina Bob, if you're telling individuals we don't have anything more, when they raided Mar-a-Lago, they shouldn't have found anything. Because this becomes a problem. If you're lying about that, what else are you lying about? Um, this this sounds like this has been going on much longer than people realized. I don't understand what's at the heart of it. I don't think anyone, and no one has answered the question of why the president feels the need. Now, I know people want to go into conspiracy, and Biden knew, and FBI, and blah, blah, blah. But it still doesn't answer the question of why he wants them. It doesn't seem to make sense. That they are, if if they're, if they're his, then why were they handing over some of the documents back in in June and even earlier part of the year? Can't have it both ways. I don't understand that one. All right, folks, a lot ahead. Donna Perry's going to join us right here on the John DePietro Show. The next time you have an emergency, head straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122 in Johnston, or East Greenwich 5750 Post Road. AtMed Urgent Care, urgent health care facility providing comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families, specializing in ambulatory medicine, diagnostic treatment service, AtMed Urgent Care. They provide immunization, school, sports physicals. They're a cost-efficient health care alternative to hospital-based emergencies. They're open seven days a week, walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical orthopedic and trauma, work-related injuries, physical exams, drug testing, full laboratory services, and with AtMed Urgent Care, they offer mononuclear antibody infusions. You, someone in your family suffering from COVID, you want to go straight to AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, Johnston, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Suite 122, or East Greenwich, 5750 Post Road, online at atmedurgentcare.net. To the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. Joining right now, one of my siblings, opinion maker, columnist, it is Donna Perry. And DJ, let's start off with, uh, there's definitely accusations that with these midterms coming up and Democrat Party and meddling somewhat, with some of the uh, within the GOP primary and trying to get some of the candidates that they want and wanted to get some of your thoughts on that. Yes. And, and good to be with you, John. Um, yeah, they, this is a strategy that they started in this election cycle. Um, uh, the chair right now of the democratic uh, congressional campaign committee, Sean Patrick uh, Mahoney of New York. So what they're trying to do here is they are, they're actually sending money through indirect, you know, means not, it doesn't say it's from the democratic party and voters, more importantly, 
they're getting their Democratic voters to do this kind of quick switch parties, go vote in a Republican primary, you know, and then the whole thing, and then you can disaffiliate. And this whole strategy, J.D., is that they, they, in their view, they have been putting voting support uh, against what they view as some of the more extreme Republican candidates, again, in their view, to win the primary. And then the logic is that that person under the microscope of the general election, you know, in November will not win against their sort of, you know, regular uh, endorsed Democratic candidate. So that is something we haven't seen to at the at the height of what you're seeing right now this fall. I think that this is just a play on this again to try to depict that if the more extreme versions of Republican candidates, you know, are, are putting out there and they don't want, for instance, they think a more moderate Republican person, you know, would, would certainly be the, uh, a, a harder person to put up in the general election. So they've, they've thought about this a little bit. Um, and then again, when there's money going on it, there was, I guess Mahoney was kind of going back and forth with um, meet the press Chuck Todd over the weekend. And he was saying, well, you know, but some could argue that you're promoting that more extreme person you're, you're saying it's a strategy, but then they win. So then you've put them, you know, in Congress. So that's just what you're seeing on that side, J.D. I mean, I think it is a gamble. And, you know, I also think that maybe they're underestimating where a lot of the Republican base is very angry, John, and they want to hear some of the more fiery rhetoric from, you know, who the Democrats consider very extreme people. And I want people to understand um because they also did it in the gubernatorial republican primary in pennsylvania yes we are doug his last name is like stevano it's something yeah but anyhow just so people understand they they were running these commercials or pack was saying you know he's this big trump guy and say no to him and you don't want him and the feeling was that that benefited him because it sure. really nailed down the idea that he was the Trump candidate. And now he is someone that has very extreme ideas. I, he is trailing right now. Um, that's interesting, uh, Donna Perry, because it, it could backfire. Sure. But at the same time, they feel it's it's worth the gamble if they can get the the candidate they want who, who might and this is, is a problem we're going to talk about, but is there's, and this has forever been, and it's actually both sides, but it's, it's the person that can win the primary doesn't mean that they can win the general. Right. And John, that, that you're right. That that's exactly, you're exactly right. Because that's always been true for both parties. Um, like they would argue that say in a democratic primary to right now to fire up your base you have to be probably screaming about, um, you know, abortion and the road decision and, you know, everything you're going to do on to change that. Um, and um, and, you know, and then say, oh, look at uh, Trump over here and all that stuff. So in other words, but then in the general, you, you are trying to appeal. Everyone might have a different view of how hard a stand they take, let's say, on the abortion issue. And I think the Democrats and personally, John, to that point that I feel like they may overplay their hand yes. and where, where is the wider public? And to your point, that's what it, the general election is. So again, both sides kind of run to their far corners often in these primary contests. So we'll see, you know, it's um, that's what the election sort of scheme strategy that they're putting out there. Um, but, you know, then on the other hand, some would say, despite all the controversies, and I know we'll talk about it, John, Trump's name fires up Republican voters. No one yes. can deny that. Yes. And, so, and it, just so people do understand, in 2016, a good example would have been if uh, Republicans had helped, for instance, say Bernie Sanders become the candidate. So it was Hillary who lost to President Trump. But anyway. that's a but good reference point. He's, right. you know, the type that he may win. And same thing in, in 2020. He gave Biden a, a, a tough time. Um, and then Biden, they they felt, was the better general election candidate. And actually, that did prove to be true. So, But right now, it is the, the Trump brand. 
And Donna Perry, and again, folks, speak with Donna Perry on the John DePietro show. I'm curious your thoughts that the Boston Globe had a recent story. So you have, you know, the Republican primary going on right now in Massachusetts uh, in, in for governor. And one yeah. of the things they talked about is that, that Jeff Deal, who is endorsed by President Trump, he has kind of like taken a page and he won't participate in, I think, you know, a WGBH debate. He wouldn't do, I think Channel 7 was going to do a debate. He won't yeah. do interviews. He did a debate uh, against his opponent on, um, supposed to be two, but he ended up just doing one on the Howie Carr show. But it's a, it's, it's a feeling of you're not going to get a fair shake, so why even bother? It's one thing you see these people on the national stage doing it, but I'm curious your thought about, especially when you're following up, very popular, moderate Republican, but still Republican, Governor Baker. But what do you, what is your thought on on the deal? Basically, you know, the media lies for your fake news. I'm not talking to you or doing any interviews with you. Well, yeah. And, you know, it is curious um, in the state that and I had have been observing that, John, like it, it's actually been very quiet overall, kind of a gubernatorial race. When you think of someone who, you know, has really been kind of a giant figure in terms of, I would say, overall successful governor two term Baker. Um, but I think from Deal's perspective, um, just they've just made a hard hard knuckles, you know, decision. He is over 30 points up in any recent poll. And I think he's just not going to give, it's the old adage. He's not going to give Chris Dowdy, who is the more moderate and a Baker uh, brand, I would say. Um, He's, he's thought, well, I'm not going to give him a couple of points. And, and he doesn't care if like channel five and the globe, and I think it was the public radio BUR, CBB, they, they were going to sponsor the joint debate that you're referring to. You know, and I think his he's hold he's thinking, I'll get through that primary because he's also gauging the Republican voter base, I would argue, in mass has more drifted, I'd say, to his corner. And even though, again, Baker was a statewide successful candidate um, and I think he's just deciding it's early September is the primary, the sixth, and he's going to hold his fire and really run against, you know, who will obviously be more a Healy, I would say. <laughs> Um, in the general. But I, on the other hand, um, here, here's, I think, a couple of ways to look at it where there's a few uh, roadblocks to him. First of all, I think, again, Trump becomes, once again, I think he is really a double-edged sword for all of these candidates, John. And especially we have all this stuff going on now. He's way back in the news with the whole Mar-a-Lago thing. So, you know, I think um, this Chris Dowdy has to get his message out in a different way, not on, you know, these mainstream local um, news channels in the Boston market. Um, but again, I don't know that deal when you when you do something like this, J.D., you haven't had what I would call a chance to get maybe more tricky questions out of the way. And that yeah. you know, earlier in the in the season, I've often thought. It's it's not good practice, no matter what, to to dodge these kind of debates, because in my view, uh, like I say, I think you you need to have clear, um, good responses that they can land in the correct way. Now, the media is going to have the view they're going to have. But I also think they take an especially harsh treatment of someone who they think has very much ignored them. You (laughs) so. I don't know. I think that's his strategy. If the yeah. polls are no, high. It, it is. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure, I, but we may disagree. And I think it's a mistake. It's the, yeah. you know, it's to it me, it's like you, you may be winning the battle. You're losing the war. The, the, the goal here. And I, I like Jeff. Um, I've had yeah. him on the program many times. I'm not so sure about his pick for Lieutenant governor, but um, you know, the goal here is to, it's not just to win the primaries, to win the general. If right. You, you can't, uh, you know, you still need to get your name out there unless if they see a path to win the whole thing by not doing the debates and exposure with this whole business of, you know, mainstream media, then 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 that's their strategy. But you're, you're leaving a lot of the table as far as, you know, free exposure, 
getting it out there. It, it's not as if a Republican has never won. I mean, right. Charlie Baker is two term, granted, more moderate. Scott Brown, that that debate, that debate, he won the debate because David Gergen said, you know, what is it going to be about you going down in the Teddy Kennedy seat? And Scott Brown had that line for the ages of all due respect. It's not the Democrat seat, or the Kennedy seat, it's the people's seat. And boom, boom. you know, that turned it around and he, he, you know, won that debate and won and won the Senate. So I I, I understand that. You know, President Trump is very strong and convincing of this whole mindset of fake news and and definitely CNN, Jim Acosta would go after him. But by and large, you know, I I just don't think you can have that attitude on local levels. Uh, You're always going to have some extreme, but at the same token, most of the reporters are still pretty neutral. I yeah. and I, I, I think he's polished up. He could get through it. I can understand maybe not wanting to do a primary debate on, in the general, because then they would just try to depict the two of them as like two extremes and they may fuel up the yeah the other person. But I, I think he's going to have a, a tough road if he tries to do that for the general. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 we're speaking with independent columnist opinion maker it's donna perry and dj let's um touch on uh the latest with mar-a-lago i um i i it, it's, I, I looking for some good news is is a good way to I think to describe it. Um, Laura Ingram has been almost doing her part trying to, who as you know has tremendous legal background, always try to school the Trump attorneys as to you know maybe what they should be doing. We're learning now, and and it is a little bit of a drip drip. But the New York Times has another explosive story that they're saying they took three hundred documents out of there. Uh, that attorney that you and I yep. talked about, I think she is definition of weak, Christina Bob, that she is, you know, been the attorney. She signed off. Sounds like she's going to be in trouble. She signed off that there are no more documents there. Um, I think people should also remember that there's still, there's, it's still not clear that there may even end up being charges here, but the government was very uncomfortable with documents being kept them not being truthful about documents being kept and i still they yet have one person answer the question of why he had them in the first place but i wanted to get your thoughts the latest now in the aftermath of of the mar-a-lago raid well where we stand right now as you say john um i think with trump i i just think that they think they they need just a strategy uh, to to kind of combat this as as he had done so many other times, but I think you're in a very different. He's in different waters here. I mean, they're mounting this legal challenge, asking for a special master to review, you know, the raid. Then they're asking. Uh, I mean, this was in their filing, um, asking the judge to I get essentially like freeze the DOJ now the Department of Justice under the U.S. Attorney General. They're asking them to freeze their ability, I guess would be like an injunction, to keep reviewing the documents. Um, And and now, as we say, there is this more explosive information that 
um, did from the New York Times. It actually was more like 300 documents. Well, that's hundreds of documents. They are. They say they're in a national security, you know, realm. Um, I, I just think a couple things where he is right now. He's on very weak legal ground. I would say yes. most legal analysts would say that. I would agree with you. He also has almost amateurish. Uh, appears to have very amateurish, um, way out of their league kind of lawyers, um, people going on TV or, or you know, there's a, another female goes on Fox here and there. And then they've got this Kash Patel uh, person. That he was guy a former... is a disaster. <laughs> He's a disaster. I can't believe he and goes they... the... Put he, him he on. He has no idea what he's talking about. Right. It's frightening. He was even in a position of authority. He was a that White House aide. Embarrassment, yeah. that guy. And, I, and of course, he won't turn down any interviews. He was gearing yeah. up to merchandise and sell merchandise for 2024. That guy has no idea what he's talking about. So, I mean, he certainly isn't shy about being out there. Right. And and so you know, I think what you're seeing. With this, it's really, John, not a legal strategy. I think most analysts are saying he's, you know, he's almost trying to, like, just stall things and maybe more generate public anger against the DOJ. It's like they're trying to depict this idea that, again, he's being, like, unfairly chased after and unfairly treated. But, you know, the the Bannon playbook, and I think you and I have talked about this before, that there was always this thing. He calls it, like, flood the zone. You know, yep. just keep throwing stuff against the wall, John. You just create confusion and you yep. divert attention. I don't think that's going to work in, no. in this case. And by the way, like, I think they lose sight. He has lost what were the protections of the presidency. He is not a president at this point. So, no. um, I mean, you can't make it up. I think they literally said the lawsuit is labeled Trump versus United States government. Um, So again, I know that, you know, if he's, if you're listening to people on social media, that's not, you know, can't be the strategy. Um, No. And, and as, as various people have pointed out, a, a problem that, that continues here is the former president confusing a PR problem, a legal problem with a PR problem. He doesn't exactly right. And trying to address it that way, because it was very uncomfortable as Laura Ingram was the first one that I saw start to talk about the special master, start to actually explain it to the Christina Bob. <laughs> the lawyer. <laughs> they finally did file it. And now, you know, I saw Jonathan Turley on Fox and Friends very early this morning saying, I don't know why they didn't do that like day one, because I, because if yeah. you're weighing over your head. And you're just happy that they give you a free place to live at Mar-a-Lago and you're working for like pennies, but you just like feel like this is fantastic. This is putting you up. Then then you go along. But, you know, that Christina Bob, she she's the one that signed off. She could be in a lot of trouble. The latest I've read, Donna Perry, is they're still trying to determine if there's even more documents because they apparently went in. And in his office, and there was a, a box that had documents that they got. And they've also, what they people have to understand is you have Secret Service on site. So, yeah, you know, they're not going to not cooperate with an investigation. They have somewhat, not, probably should have better, but the surveillance, from what I understand, they saw some people down in this one area and, and moving documents like transferring them from one set of boxes to another set of boxes. So it's it's, according to the New York times, they're still not done trying to determine whether or not there's more they're looking for. But what people, the takeaway should be that on June 3rd, when Christina Bob signed off Mm -hmm. and we have no more documents. Now they're saying they just took out 300 of the raid somebody is in trouble and and someone is not telling the truth. Plain and simple as that. Right. And John, you know, this is where someone who is in over their head could be in very dangerous legal jeopardy. Um, And John, you and I know at the level we're talking about, okay, these are the top attorneys for the United States government. Um, And when you have espionage lurking as a charge in the background, he, here's what's going to happen to him in my view. Anyone who is 
like looking around the, the edges of this, are you going to sign up to be an attorney involved with this with now the DOJ says, well, excuse me, miss. Now we're subpoena is going to you because you may have lied to us, the DOJ. You know, that's what's, that is in my view, what's going to happen. John, in some ways that's, that's kind of how they really did have powerful testimony January 6th, because it's Mm. like the old strategy. They go for the low hanging fruit, you know, and they're just moving up the food chain. I mean, I do think he, I just think he is not away from, legal protection number one i do think there could be criminal liability and then for the lawyer to be saying things on tv john then that's a statement they i think they don't realize that whether she's having easy banter in a certain interview that doesn't matter you're you're stating these kinds of things and um i i just think that the idea that you know, this de- was it classified? He declassified everything. John, that's like laughable. He, you don't yeah. just say it. No. Um, and also, they're just trying to point out, I think the New York Times story said, it doesn't matter, like, whether you are arguing over classified or declassified in the court of law that they're about to enter, he was not allowed to have um, possession of them in the first place. So... You know, well, that June third visit yeah. and them signing off, declaring there's nothing else here. It took them to go in to get it. Um, I also I push back on these these people. Oh, he's now he's in a really strong position, and now, you know, well, let's let's just I don't remind know. people. It's been two weeks. He's been out of sight. He hasn't even <laughs> shown up on Hannity. Yeah. So I I'm not sure how that's going to go. It, it's. It still is going to come down to that. I think that's pivotal that they said we have nothing else here. And and that yes, is obviously right. not, you know, what happened that way. So I, I it still comes down to and I know because I hear from everyone and it is alarming and everyone's going after Merrick Garland and the FBI. But a basic question that has been in, in all the what abouts, what about Obama? What about Hillary? What about the is what, why did he have them in the first place and why was he holding on? And, and it's, it's very possible, you know, we're, we're hearing now that he, I think some of it was uh, the, some of the letters correspondence with the mm-hmm. leader in North Korea. One of it was the letters that president Obama gave him um, or left for him. I should say, I, I mean that I, I guess are momental things and you could try to make an argument about it, but some of the other stuff was, we're, we're still not even exactly sure what it was. And that wouldn't be uh, 300 documents, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's, and that doesn't fit. And, and it's perjury, John, for a lawyer. To, yes. You can't, you oh, can't no. lie to the FBI and the no, DOJ. No, right. She's, I think she's in a lot of trouble. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry, right here on the John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, Call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now. 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. We're speaking with... Opinion maker, columnist, it's Donna Perry. DJ, let's talk about uh, Liz Cheney. She did, in fact, as we predict, lose. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to make of what her next move is. You know, I, obviously, MSNBC, they're all excited. You know, she's going to run for president. It's the battle for the party. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, we know how it works. I, I don't know where her base is going to be. And, and maybe... There's a big difference between, you know, you're the darling to the left because, you know, you stood up and took on, on President Trump. But 
huge difference between that and someone, you know, goes in and pulls your name and the, or whatever we're doing now, writes your name or connects the dot in, in what I'm saying is vote for you. Um, I, I just, I mean, again, I kind of see her as kind of person without an Island right now. I, I very much agree. I mean, I yeah. think, um, although obviously her primary loss was, really a certainty, John. I, I still think you have to take a step back. I mean, her fall from power in Wyoming, where yeah. that her family was the political power, yeah. really, really because of her father, Dick Cheney. Um, it's still stunning. And I think um, this idea that she started her own pack, um, you know, somewhere in here she's just decided you know the idea that her brand is stop trump at all costs that's her whole central brand um and as you say though it's one thing to have been sort of this fire brand and that's the direction you were coming from the whole time in the january 6th committee as the co-chair but to say you're going to like i guess what she's putting out there that she's going to work against, you know, actively work against um, Republicans who are, the she calls it the election deniers from 2020 and, and don't let them, you know, get into higher office. And John, what does that mean? Like working against anyone in, yeah. um, I, well, in politics, let's, let's <laughs> say what it means. It's like, you're going to give them money. So yeah. some, I don't know how, even if you're a, and in the middle of moderate Republican, you may not like Trump's hijinks anymore. But, John, you don't like someone who says you're going to be basically a fundraiser for the Democrats. Like, that's right. essentially what she is framing up her yeah. new mission as. I Like you say, J.D., I think that's a very small pool of people. I don't know who you pull along. I, I want to hear that elevator pitch. Right, you know, right. Trying to get voters. And in, 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 listen, maybe her father and yeah. President Bush and some other hype, you know, big donors, they've offered they're going to get her started and. And I'm sure she could, you know, raise one million for a pact or something like that. I, I just don't, I don't, I just don't see where that that is going to yeah. go. And then, you know, she went against him and then paid the the consequence. Donna Perry, I also though, let's pivot back. Um, it is incredible that after eight years, that Governor Baker, that they're still having these problems with the T and. And it is still he is someone who once he announced he wasn't going to run again, you think, OK, now I could do whatever I want to fix. Kick um, back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of as you think of it, like Massachusetts and all of the benefits it has as far as some of the companies that have relocated there and some of the top, if not the top public schools and colleges. And just I'm curious to hear your thoughts on why you know, we sit with the T with the situation that we do. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're in Massachusetts this week, the biggest story is the central story is that the orange line, which is a massive transit line on the yeah. T is fully down for now, like a, for a whole month. When you understand how people get around in the city and around Boston, John, seven days a week, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a, like a really big deal. Now they have done, um, you know, obviously, uh, they took a long look at, at undertaking this. They have a big plan. They have apparently gotten transit buses from like all over the country to flood mm. the area. So they are, when you think about when people take a subway years ago and you, you know, and you and I, and I, I'm familiar with the T now, um, that's like a really big deal when people, if that's what they do all the time, you're like, Oh, Oh, the, there's no train coming. And I go take the bus. So, um, that's what's going on. It is a big undertaking and it is putting pressure on Baker, I would argue. Mm. And certainly with the MBTA itself and their top guy. Um, the thing is, I think what, what ha has happened with a lot of management of the lines of this, and I wouldn't put all this on Baker, John, they, like the orange line, if I'm correct, is oh, like the tracks in Massachusetts, an old colonial state, they're over a hundred years old. Some wow. of them, right? So, like, there are stretches of track that, well, they were there, <laughs> like you know, um, the late eighteen hundreds is when they first actually, you know, started all that. So, I think part of it is they were pushed. I would argue, though, to this very dramatic step, really by the Federal Transportation Safety Board, because of there were several notable 
really serious um, problems and incidents on this orange line, JD. It was, you know, everyone probably saw a few weeks ago when the people were literally climbing out the windows. There was a fire on board. They were over the Mystic River in this very precarious spot. Really kind of that was scary. Um, They've had trains that were just chronically late. um, And then just other issues of, you know, stop and stall and people get very obviously furious if you're trying to head to your job and you're like, oh, it, we've been stuck for 20 minutes. Like, so a lot of issues like that. Um, and the orange line, they feel, has the oldest tracks, I guess, in the system. So what they're doing, and it's a big gamble, but they feel that by completely shutting it, what does that mean? You allow, they have a huge uh, infrastructure, you know, workers force and they're doing what they think they can accomplish in one month with, think about it, no interruption, no use of the tracks. And they think they could do five years of maintenance repairs wow. in 30 days. Right. It seems un, unreal, but that's what the top guy has said. And it's reported. I mean, he said you have to understand what maintenance is on public systems right like so they have to they do it what like from midnight to 4 a.m and they Mm. do it and sometimes they shut on maybe parts of a sunday so this way they are like going at it they're literally john ripping up the tracks as far as i understand so you know i do think as you say baker in his twilight time now um i think he really wants to see this get done right it is supposed to conclude you know wherever in the middle of september um, and, and there's that. And I would also argue politically, I think, um, Mayor Wu, who's been, you know, obviously she feels very close and sensitive to this. She's now showing herself, um, she was biking the other day and she's on the bus and she's, but she's trying to say like, I'm with you and I can relate to the, yes, this is tricky to get around and everything. So I, th- I'm personally hoping that it all goes smoothly um, I think it's a, it's a tricky time whenever you do it, but I just think it shows, um, to your point for someone like Baker, he was definitely a very hands-on management style kind of a governor, I would say. Um, he's a very bright guy and he, you know, attention to detail, but in fairness to him, JD, no one saw the pandemic coming. And uh, he has talked a little bit in interviews about that, that took all his attention yeah. for, let's be honest, for over a year. Right. And that might have been when he would have been like on stuff like this. So sure. I know. still don't think he's done. Finally, uh, I think we may see him reemerge for a Senate candidate. Uh, someday. I'd but, like to see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Donna Perry, finally, I, I think. Well, I want to get your thought, but the idea of, listen, the pandemic is, is going to be back this winter time. It just is. And we get word that Dr. Anthony Fauci has announced not immediately yeah. But that he will be uh, leaving and resigning and finally leaving in December, uh, even though he says he's ready for the next chapter of his life. I, I who knows what that could be? That could be that he's going to, you know, get one of the the gigs on TV, being a medical person or something like that. True. Um, yeah. I, I mean, my thought is, it, I just think it's overdue and. And, and the Biden people, maybe it's his decision, maybe it's not. But the, the if I, I don't know, whenever I he has been damaged through all this, whenever I see him on television. Early on, I thought he was really knowledgeable. I think a lot of the, the shine is off. And um, and I'm just I, I think it's actually kind of a good thing for the country that he's going to move move on. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would agree with you 100% that most think, you know, he's a little past his time to get off yeah. the stage at this point. And I do think, um, you know, it, it'll be curious to see if he if the media wants to do any part of their job, the mainstream media and do some, you know, critical analysis of his tenure. John, as you say, let's face it, uh, at the beginning of all that, he was not the head of the CDC. No, he's the top epidemiologist for, you know, the institutes of health, but he sort of ordained himself as he would, you know, be the guy. And it was him and CNN really almost like running the public's understanding of the pandemic, I would argue. And also he was behind the scenes. We've learned. And as months went on, John, he would 
he was like politically aggressive and trying to push back as many other prominent epidemiologists were beginning to criticize his views and management of this. So I, I would say you're right. Like I think from Biden's political team, he's he's not just the face of the pandemic. He was also like the face of the guidelines that people came to hate. And um, and I would say that, you know, I think that it, there are certainly a lot of critics and, and conservative legislators, lawmakers um, who say, well, he's going to leave without any accountability that we, John, let's be honest, we never truly got the full story on China um, that, you know, there was a report that sort of says, oh, it was definitely not the lab. And then people feel that wasn't necessarily thoroughly fleshed out. I mean, I think people look at Fauci and they remember really just the two big things, in my view, the masks and the quarantining. Yes. Um, and, and as he would go on TV every day, John, and push these extended times, well, you know what? That really hurt education. It hurt it colleges. Yeah. We all know, uh, I used to cover stories, it was awful what was done to college students were yes. hauled off and they were in some you know, bleak little weird room somewhere in some building that the campus reserved. Um, it, it hurt businesses. It shut down all the offices. I, I just think there needs to be not just him to get this kind of, you know, applause exit. And, you know, there's been corners of the media. I do applaud them. And I applaud Fox where they were hard on and they were more analytical of the coverage where there was so much of the mainstream media just sort of he said it and they like printed it, you know, so um, but I do long think overdue, long, long overdue. overdue. <laughs> Folks, she is independent opinion maker, columnist Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always. And we will talk to you again. You bet. The Senadale Revival. Stop it and see them. Comfort food and cocktails. You're going to love the Senadale Revival, located 2025 Smith Street, North Providence, right in Senadale, right across from North Providence Town Hall. Delicious food, delicious drinks, live entertainment on the weekends. Shane and his crew, they're waiting for you. A great time is going to be had by all at the Senadale Revival, 2025 Smith Street in North Providence. Thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com home again consignment located governor francis shopping center fine furniture art antiques glassware jewelry buy sell or sell in consignment and estate sales are provided it's home again consignment call john 401-463-3310 again located right in warwick in the governor francis shopping center home again consignment